This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Hello and welcome everybody to a week 17 edition of NFL Friday. I'm Nick Legerfo alongside Chris Marasco. Julian Antienza is on the other side of the glass. Welcome. Well, Chris, exciting week of football this week coming up for us on this first post-Christmas one-on-ones NFL Friday. How did Santa treat you, Chris? Santa treated me pretty well. Um, you know, it's been a rough, rough holiday season for Kenny Ducey, who I thought I was doing the show with today because of his beloved New York Jets. Not going to be playing postseason football, so... It's been just an up-and-down year in football. Just It's so weird the way things have gone. Teams have been up. They've been downs. They've had four-game winning streaks. Look at the Giants, prime example. It's just been one of those years where at least, or, where something's going right or everything's going right at one point, and then a complete 360 spiral downhill. And right now, last week of the season coming up, it's going to be real interesting to see how it all finishes out. It certainly will be, but there's one team for certain that will not be there, and it's a huge surprise to everyone around football, at least to me and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers will not be going to the postseason for the first time, and it seems like a long time. It seems like they're always in the postseason, but, you know, not this year for the Steelers. Yeah, and that that was the big surprise I've seen. You know, they had Charlie Batch come and pick up a victory when Big Ben was out, and you thought, whoa, if this team could pick up a win with him, they're going places, then weren't able to finish out. They had that loss last week, and things have just, another example there, things have just gone downhill, and real surprise not to see the Steelers in a team that, You look to play late in the postseason every season, and Big Ben just couldn't get it done, and that's why they're going to be playing golf while another team's going to be taking their place. Well, the Giants and the Jets could be playing golf. Well, the Jets we know are playing golf (laughs) in in January, but the Giants are well on their way to doing that as well after a postseason collapse. But we will have a report from Eric Malo coming up. We'll get to that later. But now we're going to talk about Ed Reed's hit. Ed Reed was recently fined $55,000 for his hit on Victor Cruz. And, Chris, it just seems like every time the defense is playing, there's going to be fines and there's going to be penalties. And what, what do you make of this, Chris? You know, I, I'm always a big fan of these suspensions or fines coming down when these players make a dirty hit because with all the new statistics we're seeing of these players that are so messed up after they retire and move on later in their lives, so it just shows you how – Serious, the NFL takes it, how much emphasis Roger Goodell is putting on the elimination of these big hits, and I'm all for it because we saw we talked about in one-on-one Kenny and I, O'Donoghue Sue and his big hit earlier in the year, and how I was in favor of that one because when with these players, their careers are on the line. They have families, they have people riding on them, and this is something they've worked for their whole lives. When another player puts that in jeopardy, when you know they're not in a position to defend themselves, I'm all for delivering these funds. Well, you see, I, I agree with you that we should, we got to look out for player safety and, and everything of, that goes along with that. But at the same time, you know, I, I just think the NFL is becoming too hands-on. And, and these players are, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're really being restricted in their style of play. You know, it's and it's a debate that goes on for, you know, it, it could go on forever. And, and there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just It's just one of those things that's becoming a part of the game, you know. Yeah, well. I mean, people are going to still show up to the stadium if you if the refs are a little bit more strict, and I think it's all for the best because these players. I mean, people. There's been guys who get out, they commit suicide, they harm others, they 
aren't able to live their lives the way they're used to. And I think it's just too important, and there's not enough protection for these players out there that you have to take it seriously because, honestly, if you if you can get rid of a few of these cheap shots, it's not going to change the game. It's not going to. It's not like they're taking away the kickoff, which is a whole another yep. discussion for another time. But right now, for the hits, when a player's going up for a ball and he's defenseless, I think that there should be rules, and I think that the NFL is doing the right thing right now. Well, now I think it's time to switch it over to talking about the team in New York that wears green. And now we're going to shoot it over to Joe Vidiello with his weekly report. It's the last week of the season. The Jets were eliminated from playoff contention two games ago. They can't still be possibly making headlines, right? Wrong. There have been two controversies in Gang Greenland this past week, both involving none other than Tim Tebow. First, Tebow's character was brought into question. When reports surfaced, it was his decision to sit out of the Wildcat against San Diego last week. This came right after reports saying that the backup quarterback was already looking forward to heading to his hometown Jaguars next season. To Tebow, insulting his character is much worse than insulting his play. For people to not know the situation and, you know, go off, you know, something and then start to you know, bash your character and say you're phony or you're fake or you're hypocrite. I think that's what's disappointing and that's what's frustrating because, you know, it's it's a football game. And that's one thing if you're good or bad at football, but your character, your integrity, and yeah, that's who you are as a man. And that's a lot more important. And I think that's what's disappointing for me and frustrating because I take that way more serious than I'll ever take a football game. The second cause of dissension also involved Tebow's two competitors at quarterback, Mark Sanchez and Greg McElroy. It all stems from last week's loss where McElroy was sacked 11 times. He appeared fine after the game, but supposedly he was hiding a concussion. When the truth came out, Rex Ryan passed over Tebow again, this time for Mark Sanchez. Mark now takes the helm for this season's finale against the 5-10 Buffalo Bills. The Bills are looking for redemption for their embarrassing 48-28 loss in the opening week against Gang Green. I think they get it against the struggling Jets. My prediction, Bills 17, Jets 10. Covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. And now we'd like to thank Joe Vidiello for his weekly report. But now, Chris, let's get to the issues here. The Jets are a mess. I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say that they're, you know, a, a good team. They're not. They're they're just a mess. They're in total disarray. They don't even have a good quarterback from week to week. What what do you make of this, Chris? Nick, this is this is something I've been waiting since last night <laughs> to talk about. And how great is it? And when Rex Ryan was announcing that uh, Sanchez was going to be starting the last game, came out to the press conference and starts it with, "You're not going to believe this." Well, Rex, I don't think there's anything. You can say right now that we're not going to believe the way this season has gone. and I, The Jets, it's just been such a nightmare of a year. Who's going to be gone in the postseason or after this season? You know, What moves are they going to make to change them for next year? There's not a whole lot they can do to really bring this team to a contending playoff squad next season. But it's going to be interesting. It's been such a roller coaster ride. and I mean, it's clear Sanchez starting over Tim Tebow. If Tim Tebow was to start the game, obviously, if he played well, then the Jets would have to suffer an entire offseason of who's going to be the starter. They have to keep Tebow. So you really can't blame them at this point for not putting Tebow in now, but it's just been so hectic and such a 
joke of a year for the Jets that I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I mean, I, I don't even want to think about what Tim Tebow must be feeling right now. He's a 75, he has a 75% completion rating this year. Granted, he's only 6 for 8 and 39 yards, but at, still, at the same point, he, he's the second-string quarterback who gets benched for in, in favor of the third-string quarterback, Greg McElroy, last week, and now he gets benched in favor of a guy who got benched twice this year in Mark Sanchez, who's a guy that, that started the year all year long, and he couldn't get the job done, even with a chance against the Tennessee Titans to get the Jets into the playoffs if they won out. He fumbled the ball. Literally, he did. He fumbled the ball, and the Jets lose the game yet again. And and does that blame land on Sanchez or, or Rex Ryan or – Johnson or the whole organization, I, I I don't know what to make of it, honestly. Yeah, I, don't. Yeah. I love the people that are like, oh, it's Tim Tebow's fault. Sanchez fumbled the ball. That's Tebow because he's playing nervous with him waiting over his shoulder. Well, if that's the case and everyone's saying, well, this wasn't fair to Mark Sanchez, he's not the guy that in there you want anyway because if he can't handle a little bit of pressure with another quarterback who was pretty clear this guy's not coming in the way that the season moved on. No matter how bad Sanchez played, he was going to be the guy up until you know the final games. It's definitely Mark Sanchez's fault. He fumbled the ball. There's no other excuse. I mean, it wasn't a great snap, but you, you dropped it, and it was in his hands. If, it, if you're an NFL player and the ball touches your hands, you should be able to hold on to it, especially when it's not that bad of a snap. It was a little bit off, and it cost them the season. And they shouldn't have even been in contention anyway, but the fact is they still had a shot at making the playoffs. And we, and for our show, we have uh, coming up later, we're going to talk about the toilet bowl between Oakland and San Diego. How about the toilet bowl we have coming up this Sunday? between the Jets and the Bills. New York comes in 6-9, and nine, the Bills 5-10, and 10, both teams playing for nothing. I don't even know if this is a game I tune into on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, definitely not one of the highlights. It definitely won't make the NBC Sunday night football for sure. But, you know, I mean, granted, I'm not a Mark Sanchez fan, but I'll admit that he, he does get a lot more pressure and a lot more criticism than maybe he deserves. But at the same time, I mean, you look at other elite quarterbacks throughout the league. You know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, look what he's done out in Denver. He's totally turned that team around from from being a a, some, a somewhat better than mediocre team. You know, maybe get in the playoffs first round, you win a game or, or so. And he, he's turned them into a Super Bowl contender. And that's the thing that Mark Sanchez just doesn't have. He doesn't have that burning desire that these other guys have that will make the team around him better and turn them into the next level team. Nick, uh, I believe you just mentioned Mark Sanchez and Peyton Manning in the same sentence, and I don't know the way. I don't even know if that's right. The way that things have gone, Mark Sanchez. I'm not saying he's never going to be a starter in this league. It's not going to be in New York, or it shouldn't be in New York. Is he cannot handle the spotlight. He's had too much time, and he's never going to be a guy like Peyton Manning. He's never going to be just a solid starter, well, in my opinion. I, I don't think he necessarily needs to be that kind of guy. I mean, look at look at how they did in the first two years of his career. He wasn't a Peyton Manning. He he was a young rookie quarterback who had a very good running game and a very good defense to back him up. He, all he had to do was take care of the football and not turn the ball over. He was a game manager. You know, people throw that word around a lot, game manager. But that's really what he was. He was a game manager, and they told him not to lose the game. You know, granted, he will have he had like you know Kenny Kenny Ducey, who's not here right now. He he always talks about how. You know, Mark Sanchez had that big 80-yard pass to Braylon Edwards in the playoffs. Yeah, that was one play. 
But on the majority, on the grand scheme of things, he was not doing that. They they weren't selling him, hey, Mark, drop back, you know, 50 to 40 times a, a game and win the game for us. They were telling him, hand the ball off, short, easy passes, and don't turn the ball over. And that, that's what he is. That's the type of quarterback he is. Yeah, well, one of the biggest complaints against Mark Sanchez is that he's still making the same mistakes that he made his rookie year into this season. He hasn't changed. He's not holding on to the ball, and instead he's, you know, throwing it into double coverage and – it's starting to result in turnovers. The thing that people don't realize in his first two seasons, yeah, the Jets, they had great runs in the playoffs. They squeaked in both of those years. Maybe it would have been better for them to lose those years instead of, you know, thinking they're just one step away, one piece away from winning the Super Bowl. And I think it's really hurt them as a franchise overall. And I think the main thing for them right now is rebuilding, clearing house and getting a new solid base down to start progressing to make this a real franchise. All right. Well, before they do that, they do have a game this Sunday before this dreadful season that the Jets have had. And I, and I will say that it was dreadful. I, before it ends, they do have a game in Buffalo. And uh, what what are you thinking about this game here? Sanchez coming back. You know, Tebow's not happy, but there, there, there's got to be a lot of a lot of problems in the locker room. But but at the same time, they do have to go on the field. So so what are you thinking for this game, Chris? You know, this, this hasn't been one I've thought about too much. The Bills have lost three straight. They've lost seven of nine. We saw the way the Jets did beat them. I think it was the first game of the season this year when yeah, Sanchez they, they was starting. They surprised everyone. And uh, the Bills, they're, just, they're a lot of the same story. They don't get maybe the same attention the Jets do because, you know, they're playing at Buffalo while <laughs> the Jets are in New York. And I'll, I'll go with the Jets in the game because – I don't think the Bills have much of anything, and I think Sanchez, this is my gut feeling, Sanchez is going to have a brilliant performance, and then all throughout the offseason it's going to be like the Jets. Well, look at what Sanchez did in that last game. That's just a, an example of what he can do and what he can be, and I think it's just going to mess with our heads for an entire offseason. Well, I will, I will also go with the Jets here. I, I mean, it's a tough game to call. The Bills and the Jets, no playoff implications. Uh, Whatever. I'll, I'll go with the Jets. I'll say 21-17, the Jets will win. Julian, the big Jets fan in the back that he is, he's also taking the Jets. Got his Jets sweatshirt and, uh, on too back there. <laughs> yeah, yes, he does. I think he that, that goes 17 for 17 this week, uh, picking the Jets for Julian. But <laughs> neither here nor there. We'll wrap up the Jets here. And now it's time to start talking about the other New York team. Now we're going to switch it over to Eric Mallow for his weekly Giants report. Anyone like playing golf in the winter? It's a pretty good deal. You can play in Florida or even Hawaii, and you may get a chance to play with a star football player. Because it looks like a bunch of New York Giants will be hitting the courses early this season. The Ravens didn't need Ray Lewis to pound the G-Men into the ground week 16. In a 33-7 blowout, New York looked about as hopeless as their current playoff chances, and head coach Tom Coughlin didn't have an answer. What has happened over the course of the last couple of weeks is very difficult to explain. Uh, you know, we have a resounding win against New Orleans and feel real good about ourselves, and then uh, uh, I have no explanation as to why uh, we're in the position that we're in. Have we seen this story before? A team that starts out 6-2, and two, loses a couple games, then suddenly gives up the NFC's lead and shatters all their playoff hopes. Seems like a recurring pattern. The Giants face the same situation yet again this week as the Philadelphia Eagles come to town. At 8-7, they'll need a lot of help to sneak into the postseason. And they'll have to beat Philly. 
a team that always plays them tough. I can't sit here and say the Giants are going to beat Philadelphia. They're too inconsistent. And in most likely being Andy Reid's last game in Philly, the Eagles would love to destroy all chances of their divisional rivals making the postseason. If the Giants want to win, it starts and ends with Eli. When he's off, the whole team stinks. And I keep saying it, the pass rush needs to step up. Justin Tuck and OCU Manero went AWOL, so Jason Pierre-Paul gets double teamed seemingly every snap. It's a recipe for disaster, and a disaster it may turn into this Sunday. My prediction? Eagles 34, Giants 10. Hopefully Santa brought the Giants a new set of golf clubs for January. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. Well, we'd like to thank Eric for that report. Great music, Eric, once again. It seems like every week Eric has the best music. I, I don't know what it is. He just he just knows what to do there. Yeah, he's a man of fine taste. I don't know if we can say the same for Joe Villiello. He has the, uh, the fresh beats kicking in the background <laughs> week to week. <laughs> Well, let's get to the Giants, Chris. I mean, let's let's just get to it. The Giants are the defending Super Bowl champions, but they haven't been playing like it lately. You know, outscored sixty-seven to fourteen in the last two weeks. I mean, c- come on, what, what's going on with the Giants here? I think what you have to look about the Giants last week they lost thirty-three to fourteen, and then the week before, thirty-four to nothing. So obviously something's not clicking, but it's the same old story for them. Except right now it looks like. It's going to be even more difficult for them to squeak into the playoffs. One of the big stories about their last two games, or about last week, the Giants held the ball for 20 minutes, around 20 minutes. The Ravens held it for 40. So you talked about game management before and clock management. It was completely lopsided. The Giants were out of sync. Maybe they shouldn't take the train anymore to the game. That's what they did going to Baltimore. (laughs) Maybe first-class plane might do the trick, but I don't know what it is for the Giants. And They have to beat the Eagles, and they need a lot of other things to fall their way, but... They can control one thing. That's beating Philadelphia, which is not a definite for them this Sunday. Well, Mike Vick will be starting now for the Eagles. Uh, Nick Folds broke his his hand last week, so he he will be out of this game, and uh, it's going to be Mike Vick starting for the Eagles. But I mean, the Giants are not out of it. Let's let's be fair. They they need a couple of things to happen here. They need uh, let's see, they need the the Minnesota Vikings to lose to the Packers, which I could see happening. Even though the Packers are, I mean, the Vikings rather are home, so that that could favor the Packers, the Vikings. But I, I still think the the Packers can beat the Vikings. Definitely, they, Aaron Rodgers can beat anybody. And then they also need the Redskins to beat the Cowboys. Well, we saw that happen the first time, the first matchup on Thanksgiving Day. So okay, that could happen for them. And then they also need the Lions to beat the Bears, which I, to me, I think would be the the thing that that wouldn't go their way because I think they could probably get three out of four. They could probably beat the Eagles if they play a good game. The Packers could probably beat the Vikings. And the Redskins could definitely beat the Cowboys. But I I don't know. I just don't see all those things happening for them, and I don't see them making the playoffs this year. As much as it pains me to say it, I don't see it happening. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you. The biggest question mark for them is going to be the Lions beating the Bears because the Lions have had a dreadful season. But I do think they are a much better team than their record shows. Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback, and they have the, arguably the best receiver in professional football. So I think the Lions, they, they can surprise you. They might may surprise you. And all of these things happening the Giants' way, that's the odds are against them, to say the least. But at least they still have a chance, which is much more than – the Jets can say for themselves. Eli said that uh, it was going to be a Sunday fun day, which is true because if the Giants do win against the Eagles, that one's earlier in the afternoon, it's going to be an all-day event. And 
They're going to be watching teams throughout the day, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, one of the major problems the Giants have had throughout the entire season has been the injury bug. And uh, this just in from ESPN that uh, Prince Amukamara and Gerard Hosley, the two cornerbacks for the Giants, are going to are listed as doubtful for Sunday's game. So that that's not looking good for them there. And and to me, that has been the weak spot for them the entire season. Their secondary has has just not gotten the job done. But the thing that's that's so puzzling about the Giants is you look at the last two weeks. You know, Atlanta and Baltimore. When the Giants are hot, they can they can beat anyone. We saw that with San Francisco, with Green Bay, even New Orleans. But but the thing is that's so puzzling is that it's not just the defense that's the problem. It's not just special teams. It's it's all three areas of the team that that have not performed, which is just it's mind-boggling to think that a year ago they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. And you know, offense isn't getting the job done, defense isn't getting it done, and that leads to losses yeah well talking about the loss last week the problem for the Giants was they couldn't hold on to the ball and then the week before that they couldn't convert solid drives into points so teams that win Super Bowls teams that even make the playoffs are able to do those two things and they're able to control a game much better than what they've shown I think another thing we have to look at is the fact that Philly has won five straight when they play the Giants on the road and Michael Vick I know he hasn't had the the season that he had coming back last year or he hasn't had shown what he's been able to do he's definitely always a threat his speed can kill you and for the Giants who haven't been able to do it on both sides he could be a real problem for them this Sunday well Eric mentioned it in his report this weekend this weekend's game against Philadelphia is by no means a gimme I mean even though the the Eagles are not playing you know they don't have a winning record it's still going to be a tough game any game in the NFC East against a rival is is going to be a tough game, and the Giants better come to play. Otherwise, their their playoff fate is going to be decided relatively quickly, and it's not going to matter what happens with the Vikings, Bears, or Cowboys. It, it won't, because if the Giants don't come to play, then they're going to be out of it with the Eagles. The thing is, though, if they do win, and yes, they have to win, there really is a possibility for them. The Bears, although favored against the Lions, they've lost three of their last four games, and while they are a better team record-wise than Detroit, they haven't been showing it lately, and you never know what you're going to get from them. So the Giants just beat Philly, beat them, and then let everyone <laughs> let everything else happen, but it's not over. We need one New York team making the playoffs. I don't lean either way, but it's still nice to have one New York team playing in the postseason. Well, of course, if the Giants would win and, and you know, they get the solar eclipse and they get the lunar lineup, lineup for all the stars aligned and everything, they make the playoffs, they would travel to Green Bay if the season ended today. And we all know that you know the Giants have a history of winning playoff games in Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's right. And they they look like a much different team every time they get into the playoffs than they do in the regular season. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just, you know, they've won two Super Bowls, so the regular season doesn't mean as much to them when they've been in the biggest spotlight there is in pro sports. But they haven't been able to get into the playoffs, which has been their problem this year. Instead, they've started out hot after a loss to the Cowboys on their opening night of the season. Then they hit a weak spot, and it's really carried on as the season's progressed. And now I really, truly think if the Giants could find their way into the playoffs that they have a definite chance at winning the Super Bowl this year because they always surprise you. 
Well, I think any playoff team has a chance. Well, yeah, um, but, if you're a statistics but guy. I, I would say, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a Giants fan, and, and people know that in WFUV. They know that I'm a Giants fan, but I, I, I just don't see it happening this year. The, the Giants just, they don't have that same spark, that same flame lit underneath them that, that propelled them to that Super Bowl last year. I mean, you could just see it in their body language on the, on the field. And even Eli, when he walks off the field after a three and out or, or looking at the defense when they give up a touchdown, you could just see it in their eyes. They just have this defeated look. And, and quite honestly, I, I do think that they're not going to make the playoffs. And uh, as much as it pains me to say that, I, I do think they will not. No, I, I, I can see where you're coming from because even when the Giants were struggling in seasons that they've made the playoffs and won the Super Bowl, they're, what, it wasn't the same team that we've seen lately. And talking a little more about that Ravens game, the Giants had 45 plays for 186 yards. That's compared to the Ravens' 81 plays for 533 yards. That's not the performance. No matter if it's just one game, it's actually been two games in a row for the Giants, but a Super Bowl team against a team like the Ravens who – they're going to be in the playoffs, but they're not that great. That is something that should never happen to you, and I, I completely understand where you're coming from with your your fear of the New York Giants. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's go to the game on Sunday. Who are you taking for this game and, and why? <sighs> this Sunday, I said that if the Giants were able to win, that I think things could happen, but I, I do think that the Eagles and – the success they have had against the Giants on the road, I, I do feel that the Eagles are going to pull this one out. It's probably the end of the Michael Vick era, the Andy Reid era in Philadelphia, and I think they're going to be playing for something more than just the end of their season. The fact that they're going up against a rival like the Giants, and they could be the purpose or the reason that the Giants don't make the playoffs. I think they're going to come out. Michael Vick still has a lot to prove here in his final game of the season, so I, I give the Eagles the, the edge over the Giants. Well, it came out this week that, that Vic doesn't think that this start is an audition, but I, I tend to disagree. I do think that it is an audition for him, and he's playing for his career, not not for Philadelphia, really, but for his career elsewhere in the league. And, uh, you know, Andy Reid leaving, well, it looks like he's going to be leaving. So I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think the Eagles are actually going to pull this one out. Um, the Giants just have not looked, looked good lately, and... Um, I think the Eagles are playing for something more than than the final game of the season, so I, I think the Eagles take it. Let's say, uh, let's say the Eagles take it twenty eight twenty four. You want to do scores? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say twenty one to seven Eagles over the Giants. Wow. Yeah. Well, Whoa. the Giants scored fourteen points combined in their last uh, two games. Yeah, so I guess what, that's fair. Is that... <laughs> Julian in the back, he's taking the Giants. And Kenny Ducey from the road is he's taking the Eagles, so that's that's an interesting uh, yeah, that's a no brainer. Interesting pick there. Jets fan, and that should just about do it for the Giants. But now we are going to welcome on CBS Sports columnist Clark Judge. Clark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, good. It's good to have you on. It's nice to be back, and uh, it's especially nice to be back on this station. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. So let's let's just get to it. This weekend. A very big football game between the Cowboys and the Redskins. It's basically an NFC title game, similar to the one that was played last year between the Giants and the Cowboys. This year, totally different story. Who are you taking, Clark? Well, I'm going to take Washington, and, and one of the reasons is that game last year. I mean, the Cal- Dallas Cowboys, in their season finales, 
not real good. The last 12, they're 2-10 and 10 in season finales. That's the worst record in the league. And you look at that game last year, and, and there wasn't a sense of urgency with them. And they didn't play very well. And I saw that in, uh, I think it was 2008, the last game of the season. They went to Philadelphia, had a chance to get in the playoffs there. They got drilled 44-6. to they, they have a history of not playing well in uh, season finales. Now, that said, they're playing very differently now than they have at any time. I mean, they're, they, they're coming back on teams. Uh, they came back on uh, Philadelphia earlier this month. Um, they came back a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. They, they've had a run of comebacks. And last week they came back in New Orleans, tied them, and lost in overtime. They hadn't come back before in any fourth quarter to win. They did it three times this month and nearly did it last week. So there's a feeling that Tommy Romo is a different guy. This is a different team. But I, I just don't buy it. I think Washington's got too much going. Uh, I think it's got the momentum. It's got RG3. But more importantly, there's a rookie here we're forgetting. That's Alfred Morris. And it's going to be cold, and it's going to be windy that night. And I don't know that RG3 is going to be the factor he was in that first game. Uh, he hasn't been in the second game when he's played teams. He wasn't as effective against Philadelphia, and he wasn't effective, as effective against the Giants the second time around. I don't think he'll be as effective here, A, because it is the second time around, and B, because of that knee. But Alfred Morris can be. And Alfred Morris gashed these guys the first time. I think it's going to come down to the running game. I know one of these two teams can run, and that's Washington. Clark, thanks so much for joining us on the show. There's been a lot of talk about that final NFC wildcard spot, and I just wanted to know who you feel has the best shot coming tomorrow, or Sunday rather, between the Vikings, Bears, Giants, and possibly the Redskins with the loss of the Cowboys. Uh, the Bears. I mean, the Bears go to Detroit, where um, it used to be a tough place to win, but everybody wins now against the Lions. The Lions seem to be in disarray. They have nothing to play for. I, I believe that Chicago wins simply because Chicago is a better team, and Chicago does have something to play for. So Chicago wins that game, and then has to hope the Green Bay beats Minnesota. Minnesota's at home. Uh, it's got Adrian Peterson. It has a chance to get to the playoffs. And Christian Ponder, 6-1 and one in his last seven games at home. So you go, what's not to like? Well, here's what's not to like. You're playing the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers has won his last five against the um, Vikings. And, and Green Bay does have something to gain. Green Bay can get one of those two first-round buys. So um, I think Green Bay is playing with uh, incentive. I think they're the better team. And I think they'll win that ball game, which is basically going to put Minnesota out, open the door for somebody. If Chicago wins, Chicago's that team that's getting in. Okay, Clark. Well, sticking with the NFC, football is a game of momentum. Who is playing the most, like the hottest football right now, and who do you think is the favorite to win the NFC? Well, the hottest football is one of two teams. I mean, it's, it's certainly Washington because they won six in a row, or it could be Green Bay because their only one blemish was that game against the Giants, and that was a real stinker. But they've been really good basically the last ten weeks. Um, to me, the, the favorite is Green Bay because I think Green Bay is the best team out there. I thought it before the season, never wavered when they struggled to start, and I still haven't wavered. Now I believe they've got the momentum. They're getting players healthy. Um, they're playing with a rhythm that they should have played with uh, all along, and that's a deep team. They've got a ton of talent. Um, you know, people want to say, you know, Atlanta maybe or San Francisco. All I know about Atlanta is Atlanta hasn't won a playoff game with Matt Ryan or Mike Smith. And you say, well, they're at home, and they've got the home field advantage. And uh, look at Matt Ryan's record there. They're, they're going to get the home field advantage. Matt Ryan seldom loses. He's lost four times his career at home. Um, and so what's not to like? Here's the problem. They had home field advantage two years ago when they were the um, had the home field advantage two years ago when they were the best team in the NFC. They were 13 and three. Could be 13 and, and three this year. Or they could be 14 and two. They're clearly the best team in terms of the record. But a team came in their wild card team and beat them, and, and they didn't win that playoff game. That was Green Bay, and Green Bay didn't just didn't beat them. They walloped them. And Ryan wasn't very good, and the Packers were. So they know. The Packers can come in there and beat them. They know that. Um, San Francisco is another team that people say you've got to watch out for. I think San Francisco 
disrupted everything when they went to Colin Kaepernick. I didn't like the move. I covered that team. I thought they were fine with Alex Smith. They'd gone in a different direction. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick's the quarterback for the future, more talented than Alex Smith, but Alex Smith is better suited to what they do now. They're making more mistakes. Frank Gore is not featured as much. I think they've lost their identity. I think they've lost their way. To me, it's, it's a two-team race. It's Atlanta and Green Bay, and I'll take the Packers. Interesting, Clark. You didn't mention Seattle in that. Where do you right. where do you figure them into the equation? Well, because they've got to go on the road, I don't figure them. I mean, in Seattle, if they were to home, be home, have home field advantage, that would be your favorite team. I don't like Seattle when they go on the road unless that road takes them to Soldier Field because they have struggled to win. And, you know, I know they went to Buffalo and won, except they didn't go to Buffalo. They went to Toronto and they played indoors. And that was a great advantage for them. Um, they're a very hot team right now. But I look at Seattle, rookie quarterback, going outside, you know, against, you know, whoever. I mean, they may go to Washington. Could they win there? Yeah, they could, but I'd still take the Redskins just because I don't like Seattle away from home. I don't trust them. And, yeah, they're a hot team, but I still I, I will take the home team against Seattle. And just to expand on that a little more, which team do you like better with a first-round win between the Colts and also the Redskins with uh, RG3 and Andrew Luck? Because right now it looks like, like you said, that the Redskins would be hosting Seattle while the Colts would be on the road in Baltimore. Yeah, I'll take the Redskins um, just because, again, home field advantage for them. That's, that's a great place to play. It's a loud place, 90,000 people. Uh, they've got a uh, real momentum going now. They can run the ball. They can throw at what they couldn't do or haven't done most of the years, play defense. But they're playing pretty decent defense right now. So that's an advantage for them. Um, and RG3 is a guy who can match the um, electricity of a Russell Wilson, for instance. But um, they can control the ball with Russell Wilson, uh, with uh, RG3 and with Alfred Morris. And I think keep the ball away from Wilson and, and really minimize the damage. You look at the other side with Indianapolis, they've got to go outside to Baltimore. Again, I, you know, I, years ago, guys, I was in Baltimore when the Colts left out. I know what that city feels about the Colts. They hate them. I mean, they hate the Colts because of what happened with um, Jim Irsay and, and, and Bob Irsay and uh, his father and taking him away. Jim Irsay's tried to make peace with the city, but um, they hate the Irsays and they hate the Colts. And when they come back, it's a war. And I was there in 2006, they came back, and it was ugly. And the Colts won. That's with Peyton Manning. So it's different. You've got a rookie quarterback coming in there. The Ravens will be ready. The Ravens aren't a great team. I mean, they're hurt. They're just—they're all over the place. They're up and down. In the last four games, they've had one decent ball game, and that was the game against the Giants where they actually looked really, really good. So you have to wonder, is that the real Ravens or were the three others the real Ravens? I, I, I see them stumbling all over the place now, but I think they've got enough to win there, A, because I think they're a better team, but B, they also have a terrific home field advantage. They had a string of 16 straight wins there before they lost to Charlie Batch, but that was including the playoffs. They're very good at home, so I'd say the Ravens win, um, and I, I think the uh, the Redskins win as well at home. And is there a team right now that you like who still needs a little bit of help getting into the playoffs that you feel could make some serious noise come postseason time? No, I don't really, guys. I mean, to me, when every week I fill out a, a top 32 for um, the Associated Press. And honestly, when you get past the first six or seven teams, you're kind of going, okay, it really doesn't matter. Because um, when you look at the AFC, you say, okay, is Houston the best team? No, they're not. I mean, Houston's a descending team right now. They seem to have peaked. And then uh, you come up with Denver. Denver's hot. Denver is very, very hot. 
and they've won 10 straight games by seven or more points in each. Boy, that's, that's a convincing argument, except where they play. They play in the AFC West where there's nobody, you know, and so you can make the case they really haven't beaten anybody. Then you go to New England. Okay, New England always is going to be a factor because of Tom Brady, always. But then San Francisco came into New England and beat them. You know, Arizona earlier came in there and beat them. That was three months ago, so I discount that. But they have lost at home, and, and their defense is suspect. The most complete team is Denver. So you go, it's probably Denver, New England, Houston in that order. And then we got the four seeds, Baltimore. I don't trust Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a team that, that, that's lost its identity and not playing very good defense because it's so banged up on the defense. And then, again, you look at what's left, Cincinnati, no. No, Cincinnati's not a very good team. And Indianapolis, Indianapolis is a great story, a great story, but it's not a terrific team. So um, I think you've got really three teams we're looking at here. And in the NFC, as I said, to me it's the same thing. You've got um, Green Bay, San Francisco, Atlanta, and I go, okay, then what? I mean, you mentioned Seattle. Seattle is, is a possibility if they could win on the road. I just don't trust them there. Uh, that's because that's their history. Unless they go to Soldier Field, as I said, and they even lost there in the playoffs, um, they, they really aren't successful. So because they, they're not going to be playing at home, I would rule them out. And then I go, you know, it really doesn't matter. Washington is, is a sort of sexy choice if it gets in, but it may not even get in. But if it were to get in, how far could it go? I don't know. I mean, that's a club that you kind of keep your eye on, but it has so many holes with its past defense. I, I think when it faces a guy like Rodgers, um, it's going to be in, in trouble. Um, so, anyway, I, I think you got three in each, each conference. All right, finally, Clark, the MVP race this year has really turned into an interesting race. A lot yep. of guys that, that could potentially be the MVP, two guys that come to mind for me at least, Peyton Manning and Adrian Peterson. Right. Who do you think should be the MVP? The two guys that come to the minds of, of most uh, voters on this, and I'm one of them, and, and those are the two guys in my mind. I mean, you can make a case every year for Tom Brady, and I do make a case every year for Tom Brady. He does more with less than anybody out there. And you certainly make a case this year for Aaron Rodgers. Um, what he's done with Green Bay is remarkable. But it's going to come down to those two guys. And I, and I took a poll, informal poll, about two weeks ago, and Manning was the leader with uh, Peterson – closing and and the argument that most people make and, and it's probably the one that I would make as well is if he and the Vikings get to the playoffs or he were to break Dickerson's rushing record I think he probably is going to win but if neither one of those things happens I think it's going to be Peyton Manning and and that may seem unfair or illogical but that's just the way it goes guys because when you look at the MVP race and look at the history of it. You go, when's the last time somebody won an MVP who wasn't on a playoff team? It was 1973, O.J. Simpson, when he set the rushing record of 2003 yards in 14 games. So uh, I think uh, Adrian Peterson would have to do that, or the Vikings would have to get the playoffs for him to get the nod. Otherwise, otherwise I think it's going to be Peyton Manning. All right, Clark, uh, I have my final question now, and you've kind of talked about it a little bit in this interview, but with all the rookie quarterbacks who are going to be in the playoffs, and I want to include Colin Kaepernick in this conversation, <laughs> including their teams, who do you feel has the best chance of leading their squad to a Super Bowl? Of all of them? Um, I, I, I would guess um, at this juncture I'd probably say RG3. Um, and if you mention Kaepernick, I mean, if you mention Kaepernick, and I think it's unfair to put him in there, but if you mention Kaepernick, yeah, he's, I mean, probably the Kaepernick, the thing is Kaepernick's got a defense that's so far better than what Washington's got. I mean, that's carrying this team. But I don't like the chemistry in San Francisco now. And I think San Francisco lost the identity it had. So therefore I go, I don't think they're going to make it. 
But I don't think Washington is either. And yet, as I said, they're an interesting case. But the, the fact of the matter is here, guys, we're talking about them. Washington may not even make the playoffs. If they lose on Sunday, they don't make it. But if they were to get in, I think they've got a chance. I mean, much of a chance? No. I think it's remote. But when you ask me about, you know, Russell Wilson, no, I don't think Seattle's getting there, and I've explained why. Uh, Andrew Luck, nope, explain why there, too. I think that's a great story, but not a great team. Um, so I would probably say uh, RG3 by a nose over uh, a Kaepernick, but that's a hard call because they said that good defense of San Francisco is going to carry that team, you know, a ways, but I, I don't know that they can even get to the conference championship game as they did last year because they did it by making a minimum of mistakes. Kaepernick is making mistakes, and they did it by writing Frank Gore. They're not writing Frank Gore now. They're writing Colin Kaepernick. I do think, as I said, that they're, they're all so really out of whack offensively, and there they're, they're are all sorts of things here that are potential problems that will be immediate problems in the playoffs, so I probably will say RJ3 and the Redskins. Well, thanks a lot, Clark, for coming on. Clark Judge, senior sports writer for W for CBSSports.com. Thanks a lot for ha- for coming on. We really appreciate it. And contributed to WFEVU. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thanks a lot, Clark. Well, we thank Clark again for coming on. And uh, well, Chris, a lot to digest there. You know, between the NFC, particularly, a lot of teams still in play: Giants, Bears, Vikings. You know, Redskins and Cowboys. One of them potentially is going to go. Who do you think is going to is going to take the two spots? Well, my two spots. I'm going to say that the. Uh, I'll say the Redskins beat the Cowboys. That, I'm going to say that because okay. So the Redskins would then become the NFC East champion. Redskins okay. would be the NFC East champion. And for my wild card, I'm going to give it to the Bears because the Packers haven't clinched a bye yet. They're playing the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers. You know, they're a team that's been there before. The Vikings, still young. They didn't even know if they were going to be here at this point in the season. So I'm going to say the Packers beat the Vikings, so then give the Bears my wild card and the Redskins my the other spot to get into the playoffs. How about you? Uh, I, you know, I hate to agree with you just because, you know, it, it'd be fun to disagree, but I, I have to agree. I think I think the Redskins are going to are, are playing at home. They, they're playing with a playoff spot on the line, and I think RG3 is going to show up and have a great game. The Redskins are going to blow out the Cowboys. Yes, they're going to blow them out. They're, they're not just going to win. They're going to blow them out. And then, so they're going to go to the NFC East, and the Giants are going to be on the outside when the Bears beat the Lions in Detroit. So, unfortunately for the Giants, they're going to be left Which on the I never outside. even asked you, who do you have in the Giants-Eagles game? Oh, we, we, we talked about this. Uh, I, I think the Eagles are going to take You said it. the Eagles, yeah. So yeah. we both said the Eagles are going to beat the Giants. <laughs> yeah, so either way, it, yeah. it's a moot point, rather. <laughs> All right. Now, I think it's time now to go to our fantasy segment. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. Well, we, we are actually very, very lucky to have a, a special message from Kenny Ducey from afar. Let's listen in. So lucky. Hi, Kenny Ducey here, your NFL Friday host and 2012 WFEB Fantasy Football Champion. I'm out in Pennsylvania right now, but I'd like to send my congratulations to runner-up Julian Adienza on a hard-fought matchup. If it weren't for Carson Palmer getting hurt, maybe you would have come within 20 points. The final score was 103-76 in case any of you out there want to know. I'd just like to thank a couple people. Uh, Joe Vidiello, of course, for his consistent inferiority. Peyton Manning, who actually threw to Eric Decker this week, surprisingly. And the Giants, who performed so poorly and let Justin Tucker 
kicked four field goals. So for now, that's all I'd like to say. Stafford Loans, your 2012 champion. Sorry to take up your time, guys. Enjoy the show, and I'll see you next week. Hope you guys had a very happy holiday season. Well, as much as it pains me to admit it, Kenny Ducey has won the FUV Fantasy Football League, and we now have the the person that he beat, Julian Atienza, coming across from the other side of the glass. Julian, your thoughts? Uh, it's a very, very difficult day for me. <laughs> Julian, Julian <laughs> we, had, we, all, we all had so much riding on you in that final game. We were hoping that you'd be able to pull out the championship. Yeah, um, coming into the matchup, uh, ESPN projected that I would win the, the matchup with 119 points and Kenny would finish with something around 110. And my team had the worst game of the season. <laughs> I, we, we, the Bronx, uh, Bronx Ballaholics, my squad, we average 102 points of offense, you know, a game, uh, you know, scoring, and uh, Kenny averages about uh, 94 points a game. So a bit unlucky. Um, Tom Brady, my quarterback, threw two interceptions. So, yeah, and uh, DeMarco Murray and Adrian Peterson, I was counting on them to get some touchdowns. Those are the main guys on my fantasy squad. So neither of them scored touchdowns, and a lot of uh, things went Kenny's way. He said Eric Decker had a big day. So, unfortunately... Bad stuff happened. What are the what are the chances of Kenny Ducey repeating as champion next year in fantasy football here at WFUV? I mean, it depends. I think I think we have a keeper league on, so it depends on who people decide to pick as their keepers. Um, it, it, it's always it's always a crapshoot with fantasy. I mean, you can do a lot to um, kind of prepare your team for for that final <laughs> encounter. Um, like for 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 me, Tory Smith, Tory Smith was injured. And so I decided not to start him, but if he was a game time decision, so I started Santana Moss and said he got nine points for me. But then uh, Torrey Smith decided, oh hey, I can I can play on Sunday, and then he scores fifteen points. It wouldn't have made a difference. But um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of it's 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 just uh, trying to play the odds. That's basically fantasy football, and uh, the odds were not in my favor this week. Yeah, un- unfortunately uh, for for all of us, we we're sad to see that you didn't win that that one. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, Steve Seminary was was a smart man for for not picking either side. So yeah. I, so I guess yeah. And we have to thank Steve uh, for coming on every week and giving us the sound fantasy advice. Uh, uh, he he uh, Steve, Steve uh, gave me some good advice. You know, you know, keeping AP uh, picking him up, and uh, so. Unfortunately, there wasn't much. There's not much you can do late in the season when the waiver wire is pretty dry, and in a 14-person league, you know everybody has their rosters pretty much set. So there were a couple of holes. Um, I had Heath Miller going for tight end, and uh, I had Darren Sproles in my flex position. So not Heath Miller had been hot of late, but he didn't really score. Um, it's just uh, there wasn't much I could do just except, you know, cross my fingers, hope for the best, and the worst happened. So congratulations, Kenny, and uh, thanks again to Steve for joining us uh, every week here on uh, for, uh, for to give us his fantasy advice. Well, that's very humble of you, Julian. Uh, a lesser man would not have been able to do what you just did. I would the- not <laughs> have been able to do what you just did. And uh, now I'm going to go back across the way, and uh, we'll get set for some of that sweet pick Yes, yes. This is, of course, my favorite segment of the show. It's where we pick the games from all across the league. And, Chris, this is this is your first, uh, first, first go at it. So, yeah, I'm so ready. Get ready. Uh, you might want to put your seatbelt on. 
because it's going to get pretty. Uh, All right, well, pretty we don't intense. have seat belts in this chair, <laughs> but I, I get what I get what you're saying. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, well, let's get right to it. So uh, the first game we have is Houston at Indy. Chris, who are you taking? Houston at Indy. I'm going to go with the Colts. Big Andrew Luck fan. I think he's done a great job deserving of Rookie of the Year. I have Indianapolis winning at home. And we're so fortunate on this show that we have a guest. Kenny Ducey, via the phone, is online with us. Kenny, who are you taking for that matchup? I am feeling lucky. I'm going with All right, and now... Uh, Julian in the back is it's taking Houston in that game, and I will go with Julian, and I'm also going to take Houston. Dallas at Washington. Chris, who are you taking? Well, you and I agreed on this one. I have the Redskins, RG3, beating the Cowboys. It's the end of the line for Dallas. They've had a, a solid run after it looked like they were down and out, but RG3 and the Redskins picking up the W. Kenny, who you got? Someone almost like a stud last week. I was going to give that You're going with the Cowboys. Wow. All right, Julian in the back is going with Washington, and I am going with Julian and picking Washington as well. Green Bay at Minnesota. Chris? Packers are picking up the win. We talked before. They need the victory to pick up a bye first round of the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, best QB in the NFL, or top five at least in that discussion, so I got the Packers over the Vikings. Kenny? Packers have looked so good, but I got to believe that Adrian Peterson wants that MVP, so I'm going to go with Minnesota. You know what? I think, uh, oh, well, first off, Julian in the back is taking Green Bay. And you know what? I think I might have to agree with the deuce here. I think Adrian Peterson is 200 yards away from the record, and I think the the uh, Vikings are going to take this one. All right, the toilet bowl now. This is a great one, great matchup for you. Oakland at San Diego. Chris, who are you taking? Oh, who cares? But if I have to, I'll take <laughs> San Diego. They beat the Jets. I know how much Kenny despises them for that, so I got the Chargers in this one. All right. Kenny, who you got? I've picked the Raiders so many times, and Nick Fadden always lets me down. But for some reason, I feel like Terrell Pryor is going to get an extended look in this game, so I'm going to go with Oakland. Okay, going with Oakland. Julian in the back is also going with Oakland. I am going to go with San Diego. They look pretty good against the Jets. Well, they didn't look that good, but they beat the Jets, so I'll go with San Diego. All right, let's go upset picks. Chris, who you got? All right, this is going to surprise a lot of people out there, but I got the 7-9 and nine Dolphins coming into New England, taking down the 12-4 and four Patriots wow. in the regular season. That wow. is really going to hurt the Patriots <laughs> in the playoffs. Wow. Well, that, sport, you that heard that it here first. You heard wow. it here first. <laughs> All right, Kenny, who you got? That is unbelievable. I, I think Cam Newton is due for a big game. I'm going to go Carolina. Over Drew Brees. I, I don't like Drew Brees at all. I think the Saints are going down this week. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Julian in the back is taking Baltimore over Cincinnati. I can't believe that's an upset, but okay, Baltimore over Cincinnati. And I know Mac Rosenberg is really going to love this pick. I'm taking St. Louis over Seattle. So that should just about do it for our picks this week. And actually, that should do it for our show in general. That was a great week 17 show. So um, thanks for stopping by. I'm, I'm Nick Legerfo. That's Chris Morasco. Julian Atienza in the back. Thanks, thanks a lot to Kenny for coming on. And thanks to our executive producer for sports, Bob Ahrens. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Enjoy your football. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.